Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful to be able to be part of this group and to discuss the gospel through Isaiah's eyes. We're thankful for Cameron and for the work he has put into this group. We're thankful for his insights and ask you to bless him this night, Father, as we discuss this, that he will be able to remember what he has learned and impart to us the things he desires. We ask thy spirit to be with us all this night in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Oh, that's perfect. We go to pray and then I open my eyes and there's more people. <laughs> awesome. All right. So chapter three, that one's a, a long old tough one, isn't it? There's, uh, as we ascend these, these ladders, it seems like there's more and more complex ideas and, and things to think about that I hadn't considered before. Um, so where to go first? I don't even know. But um, so I created a little chart of my own thing on the ladder. So I want to like pose this question is where do you think you're at on the ladder right now? And how did you get there? Did you have to go through these descent phases in order to, to ascend? Um, kind of like it talks about on, on page 73. I'm going to share my screen real quick. Um, so, I mean, this was just like literally two minutes ago, so it's not fully put out and everything, but um, I was just kind of looking at um, kind of trying to chart my my life so far and kind of seeing where I was on the ladder at any given stage of my life kind of thing. So uh, based on this book um, and the interpretation of Isaiah here, it says that we all start out on the Jacob Israel category, that we're believers in God, but we haven't yet uh, entered into to covenants. And so um, it's that kind of age of innocence uh, until we're eight years old. I, I'm assuming, I'm not trying to uh, force this idea on, on anyone, but this is kind of what I'm understanding from the reading so far for my own life. And so from zero to eight, I'm kind of on that Jacob slash Israel uh, category. I get baptized, um, but that I don't think that that necessarily started elevating me uh, yet. And, and so... Uh, until a little ways after age eight. And then I went into those, those teenage years of, of rebellion, etc. And I, I can definitely see, uh, my mom can attest to all this. <laughs> I went into that Babylon category, that descent phase there for, for quite a while. I mean, I had my little moments of little bings up to the Jacob Israel ladder, for, but for the most part, I was on that Babylon level. And then um, it, what was interesting as I, I went through this, it was like, oh, this is one of the many reasons that we have missions and missionaries, et cetera, is to, to kind of boost us up the ladder for those that will uh, make and enter covenants and um, try to get others to do the same. And uh, I hadn't put that into Isaiah's ladder yet, and, and that was a new insight for me just a few minutes ago. I was like, oh, that's exactly what Heavenly Father's purpose is here in our ascent and descent, etc. And so um, I went on a mission uh, later on. I think I was like 21 or 22. can't even remember. I, I, I just know I was late. And so um, that entered me into that, that higher level, that Zion Jerusalem uh, level as I'm going out and trying to help others come into to Christ through the, the Jacob Israel uh, level. And then uh, after the mission, I, I fell back off. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, it, it could be down to the Jacob Israel level or it could be Babylon, but I don't know. I, I'm just throwing that out there. I think it was more in the, the Babylon uh, level for a little bit, but it could have had some little heartbeats there where it goes up to the Jacob Israel uh, level back and forth. And then um, kind of came my, my reawakening or whatever you want to call it. Um, probably when I was about 28-ish, um, I was just kind of struggling in the singles ward and I didn't want to be there. I had just kind of a, an epiphany moment where it was like, 
you got to get on this or you got to get off kind of thing. And so um, I completely revamped uh, where I was headed by trajectory and then started uh, ascending from there. And I think this last year, especially um, making and, and keeping um, my temple covenants and personal covenants that I'm making with the Lord um, ha has put me, and again, from what my limited understanding on Isaiah and his ladder is, is going from the Zion to the sun servant category. I don't know if I'm necessarily there, but kind of what I'm thinking is that transition between the, the Zion son slash servant category, but I don't know. Anyway, I encourage you all as we're going through this chapter by chapter to kind of map out your life in a similar way and look at the different Abrahamic tests or different trials that you've been given and try to kind of map out if there is really a descent phase before an ascent phase. And so like here on this, we can kind of see that um, I definitely, my my descents weren't necessarily really quick or um, anything, but but the descent, after a descent, I not only ascended to where I was before, but but higher, and, and I don't know, it, it seems like this is starting to kind of make sense with um, Abraham's uh, interpretation of uh, Isaiah's ladder, etc. But um, does anyone have anything to, to kind of share on that, um, that topic, that uh, descent before ascent in their own lives that you've been able to kind of see it clearly or um, notice some of the, the patterns that are spoken about here? I don't have, I always feel uncomfortable with that simple question. Do you feel like you're worthy to? <laughs> My question is, um, I've gone through Isaiah and I don't really see where it talks about this in his writing. Is this, have you seen it in Isaiah? Have you seen this ascent and descent in Isaiah? Or is it just kind of like overall Abraham has just done his um, studies and has pulled it out everywhere? And like, I, I that like that part of it uh-huh yeah so my first time through isaiah was right when i started isaiah decoded and I, I went through it very quickly just trying to get an overall uh, chronological view of it and <laughs> uh, yeah and so like i <laughs> i didn't see it and i was like okay so is avraham Gileadi just kind of blowing smoke or what's going on here but then as i'm uh reading a couple of his other books and uh, kind of looking at Avraham's process and learning about it, I'm starting to kind of see where um, he, he's coming from, where it, it's almost an overarching pattern, uh, kind of like you're saying, where he pulls it out of the Davidic story, out of the, the Hezekiah story, etc. A lot has to do with Isaiah and Hezekiah in their real life scenarios. And, um, and Jacob's letter, right? It has to do with yeah, Jacob's letter. Mm hmm but yeah, it definitely pulls it out when you're looking at the bifid structure, the um, the seven part chiastic uh, levels. There, each one, <clears throat> each time frame that Isaiah presents is kind of the the step on the ladder, um, so that they have kind of a descent after these chapters, and then um, they you have the chapters that are ascending, etc. So it's very much a to me, from what I was reading, it's very much like an overall macro um, look at the whole book of Isaiah. We have- and it totally makes sense. And I can totally see it in my life, especially after my time in, in Illinois and moving mm -hmm. here. So Illinois was a huge testing. I didn't really do a descend, but it was a huge test. I mean, I could have hadn't have been, it would have been really easy to descend and just like throw out my arms and say, I'm done doing this. Yeah. But we had um, um, confirmations that we were supposed to be there, like huge ones that held me through it. Mm -hmm. And then when we, we moved to North Carolina, I was called right into the, to be a primary president. I was called on a service mission to help the, the mission president I mean, at the same time. And so <laughs> I, I could see that those tests helped me to prepare for this, you know, this new time here. And that was a really great time being primary president and serving a mission the same time my son was serving a mission. 
And then I was released from both of those and that was really difficult. Like it was a descent, but I refused to give up my faith or do anything wrong. I mean, it would have been easy to, it would have been easy to throw myself on the floor and say, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, just because living so close to the spirit was such, such a huge blessing. And then not to have that was just like a hunger, just like mm-hmm. and little things would bug me. And, you know, when I, when I was doing all those things before, I'm like, I, you know, I could do anything. I know the Lord is here. And then before I'm like, where are you? <laughs> oh, why, why aren't you here anymore? And I was called into the nursery for four years and we get, we, you know, we're put into a, our ward split and we were put in with different people and a different new ward and a new, you know, it was just like all these changes were really difficult. So yeah. I can see, a, all I'm just trying to say is I can see a sense and descents and in, um, and I think that the, the cue is that we just don't ever submit to the descent, right? Mm-hmm. We just never, we never let ourselves go down there. Like I might have thoughts. It would have been really nice to be an alcoholic right now or something, you know, but I would never have done that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, because, you know, sometimes our tests and trials doesn't mean that we have to be uh, exuberant every single second of the trial kind of a thing. You know, Abraham and Sarah had times of of, uh, testing and, you know, they they had to go through despair and sadness and, and everything. Yet, like you said, just not succumbing to it. But even if we do, that's why the Savior wrought out the atonement so that we can uh, do it again, try over and, and ascend, etc. But um, succumbing to it. And that reminds me of um, Elder uh, Bednar quoting Elder Maxwell about, I just don't want to shrink from my, my trials and stuff. You know, I'll go through whatever tests, but I just don't want to shrink. And, and I think that that's a huge principle here uh, played out through Isaiah's ladder, et cetera, um, that, you know, we don't have to, to be uh, with a smile on our face. We can try, but um, a lot of times these, these tests and trials are, are going to really uh, prove us. Um, but yeah. Like, so we did the talk in Release Society today, Waiting on the Lord, and it was talking about this kind of the same thing. Yeah. But how do you explain to someone that hasn't read this book about how important tests and trials and descents and ascents are? I'm like, where is it in the scriptures? And I guess that's where this comes from. And all I could come up with to say is, um, and I, I seriously think of life this way is, you know, this is a day at school and we know at school we have exams and we pass them. And we know in this life that is, as long as we cling to the savior that he's gonna help us pass these exams, he's gonna lead us home. Yeah, I think that's a great way to, to explain it and um, understand it. I find that I always default back to, to Abraham. Well, you know, Abraham didn't have just one big test. There's, there's lots of different tests throughout his life. Let's look at his pattern. Let's look at his life. And that's how I've lately been uh, trying to explain it to, to people. And uh, just, I don't know, that's how it makes sense in my mind. And it might make sense in, in people's minds in different ways, using different examples like Nephi great example of how to to go through that. Um, I think that that's a, a major reason why we have these these heroes or or these examples in the scriptures, uh, mm-hmm. these prophets that ascended to, to high levels, but look at what they went through. I mean, each test that Nephi had, going back for the plates, uh, going through the wilderness, the bow experience, etc., each of those was uh, a trial that... Um, we can see exactly him and his brothers. They were on the same uh, trials for, for a lot of it. And one chose to ascend and you could see the other one kind of descending. Sometimes they would come back around and, and see the error of their ways. But um, that pattern to, to kind of see the trajectory of those two different approaches to life and, and tests. Um, but I find that uh, as I'm reading through Isaiah Decoded, I'm, I'm always going back to, to Abraham and to, to Nephi. Uh, they just seem to, to really resonate with me uh, with this pattern. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when um, we hear that all the time, when missionaries come, come back, that they're, they're at this high spiritual level, and then they just kind of crash. They don't know how to keep it. They don't know how to um, keep the spirit with them always, like they had on their mission, etc. And I think that that's 
that's a huge pattern that the Lord uh, intends. I mean, it's very purposeful that we have a descent so that we can even ascend to higher levels. And how many of our missionaries um, can't sometimes keep it for a few months, even a year or whatever, but eventually that, that kind of seeps in with, oh man, I just can't, um, I just can't keep it like I did before. But as we lose ourselves in the work, uh, again, whether that happens right after the mission or, or uh, years down the road, when we start losing ourselves in the work and uh, truly serving again with all of our heart and uh, giving our wills up to God, we, we start coming back out of that descent in order to ascend. And that's the whole purpose of the ladder. If you're just doing it for selfish purposes, it's never going to, you're never going to ascend anywhere. But if you're doing it to further the Lord's work, to uh, minister in greater um, abundance, then the Lord's going to give you extra blessings, covenants, gifts in order to do so. And, and that was huge and eye-opening for me was as I was reading this book, um, opening my eyes to how selfish I'm approaching the gospel usually. Um, I'm doing it so that I can ascend, not necessarily like, oh, I, I'm trying to minister and there's just not enough time in the day. I need more time. Oh, well, if that's your limiting factor, here's here's a blessing to, to ascend to the next level and uh, have greater uh, help in your efforts kind of a thing. So um, I just realizing how myopic my my own ascent or quest for ascent up the ladder was and um, studying Abraham's life was was game changing in that too. Learning how to come outside of myself and I mean, like I can't say that I'm perfect, obviously, or else I'd be translated by now. But <laughs> but as we go through this, uh, overcoming our natural man, I think that that's the the biggest part of all of this because the natural man just keeps trying to pull us down and, and becoming selfish, myopic, etc. But as we go through um, trying to to really lose ourselves in the work. So question, can somebody be on multiple levels of the ladder at the same time in their life? Does it apply to different aspects of life or is it just an overall general thing? Like I mapped out on, on my timeline that I showed you that I was here and then I was here, but is that true and, and characteristic of our every aspect of our life like is it definitive that you're on one level of the ladder kind of thing what what have you guys found as you're reading and pondering upon um that topic well just quickly um the scripture that you can't serve two masters comes to mind either you'll serve the one and hate the other so i'm thinking you're either in or out. I mean, I don't know if it's that definitive, but mm -hmm. I think we kind of like to rationalize that we're, we're not down all the time. We're not descending, but I think, I think it, let me just throw this out here and you guys can, yeah. <laughs> can contradict me, but I think we're either in or out. I, I think we're either, you can't serve two masters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I, I definitely agree with that. Like any given day, uh, you know, with the, the chart I showed, sometimes it's, you know, long spans of time. But I, I can see different days where, um, man, I, I really wasn't putting forth effort and stuff. And so I kind of, I think it fluctuates uh, very much so on a daily or weekly basis how each week we need to repent, right? We need to take the sacrament and renew our covenants, remember who we are, et cetera. Um, and, and like just this last week, I was just kind of pondering, okay, like where am I at on the, the ladder? And I, you know, I, I found that, that some of the days I was just kind of apathetic to, towards some things and was like not trying very hard. And then other days as I would repent, uh, and uh, seek forgiveness of, of my previous day's actions that I would be able to uh, definitely 
work on a higher level the next day and and uh, etc it, it's so hard to always remember him right like that uh, that quest as we're taking the sacrament and, and renewing our covenants that sometimes i find myself <laughs> just so easily um waking up getting in a rush forgetting scriptures or forgetting a prayer or um uh, different little things and then it affects my whole day and then I have to uh, repent and and like okay I could have done more family history work today I could have uh, easily uh, ministered to this person but I didn't put in the effort that's needed for that type of um ministering and so like on one day I find myself on on a different level etc but I don't know. Yeah. Like you said that, that no man can serve two masters. And so, um, it, it's that, that constant battle for me to always remember him and always remember who I am so that I can minister to the fullest extent within my power. And I, to me, I find it fluctuates on a daily basis. Oh yes. yeah. Jessica. Yes, I agree. Thank you. Um, I honestly think it's moment to moment. I mean, not that you go from, you know, some servant to perdition from moment to moment, but, but it's, I guess I want to say that it's, that it's um, possible and that it's happened. You know what I mean? Like, I guess like letting virtue garnish your thoughts unceasingly and to pray always, um, and to be having that focus all the time. It's, it's just, it's amazing how, yeah. Anyway, I just, I just think it is a little bit of a roller coaster. But I think, in general, when you get to a higher, I'm hoping when I get to a higher ascension in the ladder, that it will be like so much my focus that it won't be so up and down. Um, but it's also like amazing to me the grace that comes as I repent um, from moment to moment. Like, okay, I have all this fear and anxiety or whatever and giving that to god and praying to trust him and be able to move on you know what's the next right thing and um and it's amazing how the level can just go ascent not exactly like ascending a step in the ladder but but anyway i it's hard to like you know what i pinpoint but yeah mm -hmm. yeah for sure thank you um i know that I don't know why this is even popping in my head right now, but um, that as we go through the repentance process, um, I remember when I was young, um, I can't even remember when I first repented with the bishop. I think it was like I was a teacher age, so I was 14, 16. And I was wondering, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to go to a common judge and, and uh, relieve ourselves of burdens, etc.? And um, bishops throughout the years have, have taught me lots of different principles, especially going to, to different ones for, for different things and, uh, and getting counsel on, on life's challenges. And um, it's interesting, one of uh, uh, recent ones, I don't know, probably six or so years ago, was, was telling me, so do you know how to access the spirit? Do you, can you, um, do you know how to repent on your own? And I was like, yeah. He's like, do you feel the spirit now, even after uh, you've committed sin, whatever? Yeah. Then you're good. Like the, the common judge in Israel is just helping those. Uh, you know, sometimes they have to put in uh, penalties or you can't take the sacrament or, or whatever so that people can learn how that uh, process works so that they can then get the spirit back in their life and learn how to do it on their own. And um that was kind of a, an aha moment for me um, uh, back a few years. And I was like, oh, that's what repentance is. I, I don't know why it took me so long, even after the mission, um, to learn what repentance fully looked like. Repentance is um, that immediate change of heart that comes when you've truly repented and the spirit can be brought back in your life. And, and how to, to access power from heaven. So it doesn't always have to be like serious transgressions. I'm not saying that, but as we actually take our, our stony heart that we've turned hard, break it 
and turn it over to the Lord saying, um, I broke this one. Can you give me a new one? Because <laughs> I, I made a mess. And every single time he'll do it um, uh, with our covenants. And we're not expected to be perfect, but we are expected to always turn over our broken heart, contrite spirit. He'll give us a new fleshy one that his law can be written on. And, and if we can do that on a daily momentary basis, just like Jessica was saying, every single moment, uh, every time we, we turn our heart stony, that we, we turn it over to the Lord and then access the spirit again in uh, a, a new, uh, a, a new way. I, I, that's not the right word, but um, that that repentance process, like President Nelson is talking to us, that metanoeo principle of, of changing even the way we breathe and, and, and look and see and everything that we are, turning back to God and uh, getting the spirit back in our lives is, is a huge process. I don't know. That was a really long-winded side note, but <laughs> that's just been on my mind. Like, um, do you, Cameron, fully know how to repent and, and get the spirit back in your life? Yes. Okay, then do it. Do it hourly if, if needs be. Uh, and that way you can minister better and, and more often and, and receive the access to heaven for that, that spiritual power. I find is a, a huge principle going through all of this. It just makes so much sense. <laughs> um, so I really like the principle on page 73. So it's just underneath figure 30, um, just in the middle of the uh, page there. It says that um, according to the Ascension of Isaiah, that book, uh, it depicts this ascent through the seven heavens. And... Um, he can see what happens on all the levels below him, but not those above until he gets there. Um, those who ascend the ladder can discern what lower rungs do because often they themselves have been there and done that. Babylon, however, can't see anything above itself. People on that level may sense something higher, but because they have chosen evil, they attribute little value to it. Yet they may feel a loss of what they once had. Um, so, how have you seen that play out in, in your life or in the lives of, of those around you? Some examples. Is that a true principle that Avraham is, is pointing at here? That we can't, we can see all of the uh, rungs of the ladder below, but we can't see the ones above unless we've been there and we have a longing um, to, to get back there kind of thing. But do you find that that's a, a true principle or um, what other insights might you have on, on that specific topic there? Well, this might sound really judgmental. <laughs> you can see people below you, the mistakes they're making, because you've been there and done it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, you can, you can see um, the rungs below you, but until you ascend to a higher one, you know, he, I think he's right. How can you know if you've never experienced that? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a true principle. Mm -hmm. Especially a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forget whose talk it was. This was, I don't know, probably four or five conferences ago. It might even be more than that. I can't remember, but it just popped in my head where um, that father was um, interviewing his son or, or told us as fathers to interview our sons regularly and say, okay, I've been where you are. Now, what questions do you have? Because I've come through it and um, how can I help you through it? Um, kind of a thing. I, I'm going to have to find that, especially for, for group B, because I'm going to quote that one again. It just popped in my head and it makes so much sense. But, but that same principle of I've been there and done that. And as a, a ministering angel to, to your level, how can I help you? You know, I, I'm going to try the, the best I can. And, and I, you, you can ask me anything. I'll, I'll help you. Um, as uh, I, yeah, it wasn't one of the, the 12 apostles. I remember it was uh, 70, but I, I can't remember who it was. I'm going to have to find that. But I, I, I very much agree with that, that principle.
just writing that down so I remember to do it. Um, the first thing that popped in my head when I read that part there was, oh, we have that principle outlined in scripture about the eternities too, right? Those that are on the celestial kingdom can minister to the terrestrial and telestial kingdoms, but those on the terrestrial kingdom cannot minister to those in the celestial kingdom, but they can minister to those in the telestial and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting because we know that that's a principle for the eternities. Why wouldn't it be here now on these levels of the ladder? And um, I don't know if that was just an eye-opening, like, oh, there's a lot of truth to, to this um, statement here. And so um, I, I can't remember if it's in this chapter or it might be in the, the seraphim chapter, but it talks about the idea that um, we can't even see our ministering angels on higher levels sometimes because they're, they're higher and we don't understand their ways. But we, um, uh, let me rephrase that. I wish I had what page it was on. Um, but we can see the, the rung of the ladder just above us, but we can't see further on than that of our ministering angels kind of a thing. Does that make sense? And so uh, many times we're like, oh, if I could just see an angel and he could come and uh, tell me that this is true or, or warn me or whatever. But oftentimes if we're on a different uh, rung of the ladder, that's not uh, available for that level of ministration, we're not going to, to necessarily receive it or be able to recognize it or see it unless we're at a higher station kind of thing. I bumbled my way through that one, but I hope that that makes sense. <laughs> um, I find that as I've been pondering and, and, and receiving that, I've been trying to, uh, anytime I recognize a ministering angel in my life, it, whatever comes, I try to pinpoint where I'm at on the, the ladder and where they're at on the, the ladder and, and looking at it. And it's always one rung different than me. Um, I'm usually not able to, to recognize anything higher than that, um, even though I might realize that there's blessings, but I don't necessarily um, have a specific ministering angel to pinpoint it on kind of a thing. Does that make sense? I, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, let's do President Nelson for a second. We, where would you say he is? Oh, <laughs> this is being recorded, right? I have to be safe now. <laughs> I, I definitely think he's on the, on the seraph level. Well, we don't, yeah, we don't even have to say, but we can see what he does and the answers he gets because he gives us his, the, the answers that he gives us. We know that he's communicating. Mm hmm right? Yeah. So how does that transfer about not seeing farther than a rung if we can see God working in his life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we know that the prophets and apostles definitely see Christ and, and um, they are special witnesses of him, of his, his life, but they may or may not be conversing directly with Elohim, God, on the next level of the ladder up but yet they can uh interact with a rung just above them for sure i mean that's the way i'm interpreting it because all the things that have happened in the last three years just i mean just such huge major changes that made all the difference yeah. for, for me and for the church i mean huge things, the ministry and program being changed and um, just, you know, the come follow me on and on and on just had made this time so much easier. Mm -hmm. Well, that's definitely inspired because you can't just pull that out of a hat and make it work so beautifully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it has to originate from uh, from Christ, who, who is the, the head of the church. Mm -hmm. Definitely inspired. Yeah. So, Cameron, when you were talking about ministering angels, if we truly have an angel minister to us in Moroni 7, it says that their mission is to call us to repentance. Correct. 
So, you know, we should, I mean, we should be praying for that, for someone to, to tell us the things that we're even not aware of that we need to um, repent of. Mm-hmm. And because they are above us on, I assume, on a higher rung, they can tell us what to repent of. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think that is so cool. If we could just have them come and say, you know, I mean, even if they're chewing us out for like <laughs> three hours, like the brother of Jared, I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful to mm-hmm. have that insight? Okay, so that's my on ministering angels. (laughs) Yeah, I love that because a lot of times we think ministering angels are just delivering us from physical peril or uh, from, uh, you know, delivering us. But yet, uh, like you said, that that Moroni uh, scripture, they're there to call us to repentance on uh, lots of different things. Um, Yeah, go ahead, mom. Well, I'm having an aha moment and I think you tried to help me through this earlier today. Yeah. And I didn't realize what you was talking about. But now I get it. But um, I, I don't know how to just briefly, I have really rough nights. And I, I have this thing that affects my nerve endings. And sometimes it gets really, really rough. And I, and it's been going on for several years now. And I've always felt the these ministering angels helping me through that when I pray for help, you know, and 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 I felt that and I've even seen some of them and and but like this past week's been really rough and and I, I I was telling Cameron, I, my ministering angels are gone. And he he was trying to tell me that maybe there's someone higher on the level. And as I think about that, because I've been thinking that I, I've been doing this kind of descent and I've been thinking I'm about ready to ascend a level and I think this is my test and I believe maybe that's right and I didn't get it earlier but now I now I got it anyway thank you for that (laughs) yeah but um uh, there there's sometimes when uh I you Let's see, how do I phrase that? Where I've recognized higher blessings or higher help, but I haven't been able to, to pinpoint it to um, a specific uh, ministering angel. And, and we know that ministering angels can be on both sides of the bell, right? So sometimes we might have uh, a neighbor show up at just the right time. You know, that's a ministering angel. Or we might um, have a, a family history experience where an ancestor is telling us a specific thing for another person, etc. Those are those are all ministering angels. And a lot of times we can recognize those that are just right above us on the ladder. But sometimes when we're going through really rough moments or periods in our life, we know that there's help, but we can't tell exactly where it's coming from other than from from a good source, right? And so I think that that's uh, what we sometimes experience is higher levels, um, whether it be sons slash servants or or seraphim, etc., that are actually ministering to us. But there there's a few more veils in between uh, our eyes and, and their level that uh, we're not able to pinpoint exactly who it is or where it's coming from. But yet it's there and it's very real and, and blessing us. I I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's the gospel according to Cameron, but <laughs> I, I found that that's a, a fairly true principle in my life. So Cameron, do you think that um, ministering angels on either side of the veil, well, on the other side of the veil who minister to us can arrange things 
so that we can receive the help we need. For example, um, just like for your mom introducing the right medication or the right therapy, or do you think that that can be arranged by ministering angels? Uh -huh. I, I definitely do, and here's why. So um, for some reason, I've been given kind of the, the gift of dreams or the gift of interpretation of dreams, et cetera. And I've really started using and applying and, and doing that recently. And so um, as I've tried to, to learn about dreams, et cetera, from other people, nobody has a, a clear cut answer on, on anything, obviously. But um, one principle that I, I learned was very interesting was that sometimes it's appropriate to ask who gave me this dream and oftentimes i found out that it's a, a family history uh, family history <laughs> it's an ancestor of mine and that they're in charge of, of giving me that dream and and providing a way that i can fulfill that assignment or mission that they're giving me in that dream kind of a thing and um it's very interesting that god Heavenly Father Elohim, who we're talking about here, we're, he's the one we pray to, and then he orchestrates our lives, but oftentimes it's through ministering angels that we actually get the blessings. Um, sometimes it's directly through Christ. Sometimes it comes down to a seraph that, that ministers and places our, our life in a pattern that, uh, that we can be where we need to be at the certain time and with the right tools. But sometimes it's it's even further down the level, and um, sometimes our our direct ancestors are the ones orchestrating our life and and doing things. So, like, look at the example of the Cokeville miracle um, with that movie. You know, they seen their uh, ancestors that were sent from Elohim to bless those lives directly. He he didn't. I, I'm going to say this, but it's not. He didn't just skip. Christ and, and seraphs, etc. He he went down to um, uh, whatever rung of the ladder that they were on and asked them, "Will you go save these children? Because it's not their time to go yet." And so um, they, with their power, orchestrated in a very physical way salvation for those children. Now you could say that that's definitely a seraph level thing, right? Um, those are translated beings possessing um, wait, is that seraph level? Yeah, seraph level that, that are actually delivering people from physical harm. Um, that's like a, a seraph level ability to do. And so um, I, I definitely think that our ministering angels on whatever level have the ability to, to change our surroundings if need be so that we can be delivered, so that we can be called to repentance, whatever uh, have you. But I think that that's kind of the, the purpose of ministering angels and the power that President Nelson is talking about, that um, sometimes we, we have the authority, but we, we lack actual power. We need to plug in our, our organs, as, as it says there, that um, to actually receive that conduit of power to change the scenario for people to be saved. Does that make sense? I, I was blabbering all the way through that. But um, but yes, to answer your question, yes, <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> so just one, one quick question. I don't know how to raise my hand. Oh, like you're your mom. <laughs> um, so it's Elohim is plural, the gods. Yes. Yeah. So, and you said whatever level they're on. So could we have, okay, here's. Do we have more than one Heavenly Father? Do we have many gods who are helping us? Um, two different questions from there. Like we have one Heavenly Father that's over our generation of spirits that's actually our spiritual father. Right. Um, but yes, we have many Heavenly Mothers. Um, we don't know exactly if this world is under one heavenly mother or if we have multiple heavenly mothers that have have borne our spirits etc but um as christ ascends the the ladder himself through the different levels 
um, he also becomes a god, um, uh, and he changes his name to the father of our spirits, um, as we are spiritually begotten of him, etc. You know, there's a huge debate on on uh, the Isaiah Facebook group, etc. And well, I think even Jody's group this last week, where um, people ask a lot, uh, is it okay to pray to, to Jehovah, to, to Jesus directly, or do we have to go through Elohim? But that principle that Elohim is uh, a plural thing, it encompasses both our Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, obviously, but it, it can encompass other people that have ascended the, the ladder to that level. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, as Abraham through all of his tests, etc., that he is now on his throne and and um, moving on. I I wish I could paraphrase that scripture better, but um, we know that that Abraham has moved on. I would say that he is classified as one of the gods. That's a, a level on on the ladder kind of thing, and we know that those gods uh, came together in the pre-existence and uh, created the plan and, and orchestrated the, the creation of the world under the direction of Jehovah. And yeah, that very interesting principle. I love that, <laughs> that idea. But to your question, is there multiple heavenly fathers? Do we have multiple fathers and stuff? I, my opinion, I don't think so. I think that there's just one heavenly father that's over our spiritual generation. But as we are spiritually reborn, we we also are uh, Christ's spiritual children. And so in that sense, we have two fathers kind of a thing. If that makes sense, I, I don't want that to be like apostate or anything, but that's my, my take on it. <laughs> well, once you reach the Godhood level, you're the same. You're the same as God, the father. So mm -hmm. your work would be the same in saving his children so yeah. we and could have multiple gods helping us mm -hmm. yeah and we know like that i mean there's many times where uh, christ himself says the father and i are one and, and the holy spirit and stuff i think that that's the principle that they're talking about there that you know there, there's multiple gods even though we have different functions and and there's different missions etc to, to perform but they're all god to us that that's a level on the ladder not necessarily the title for our only our first spiritual father in heaven kind of a thing if that makes sense thank you so much <laughs> one day we'll have all of this knowledge and i'll realize oh man i misspoke there or oh i led somebody astray there but <laughs> we'll see come to me yeah go for it okay just to clear that up and all your bumblings. <laughs> I tell you, the more I go along, the more I'm like frazzled in my brain. We do only have one heavenly father mm -hmm. that's over us. Um, but there's generations of like his father and his grandfather. And in uh, Joseph Smith's, I think it's his last talk that, he, sermon that he gave anyway i've got a copy of it i can look it up and see which one it was but it was shortly uh, before he died and in there he tells us that um uh in his generation heavenly father's generation he was the savior for his generation just like christ is for our generation and he goes back and his father, the grandfather, was the same, which is very interesting. But we know that they still care because we're their posterity because we come down through Heavenly Father, who is their child. I mean, it of course they're gonna be helping when needed, you know, and stuff, but we only have one Heavenly Father. And we only pray to Heavenly Father. We don't pray to Jehovah. Jehovah is our mediator to go through that. I just want to clear that up because you said a lot of stuff really quick. <laughs> and, and anyway, um, my original thing why I raised my hand was on that Cokeville miracle thing. I was just going to add that um, 
uh, when um, they got ready to, to, when that explosion was happening, the, all the, the ministering angels got in a circle so that they could make that, uh, disperse that bomb so it wouldn't get the kids and stuff. And, and from that, uh, we know that there's such power in the circle. That's just one of our doctrines that we know that, and that's why we have the prayer circle in the temple. There's such power in that. But it was that because they were in that circle that they were able to, to do what they did. That's just what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, and it's that same principle to, to cast out as well. That's where we get that, that circle motif. But yeah, Laura, you were going to say something. <laughs> It just made me think of the um, hymn, if, if you could hide to Kolob, when you're talking, there's no end to matter, there's no end to space, there's no end to spirit, there's no end to race, no end to virtue, might, wisdom, light, union, youth, priesthood, truth, glory, love, being above, glory, love, being above, there's no end, just keeps going, it's kind of a beautiful thing to think, and not have to wonder, you know. Mm-hmm. And those are scripture references is in Abraham and, and Moses for that song. Mm-hmm. That's always been my favorite hymn. I love it. And everybody, every time that I request to sing it, like I, there's always grumblings. It's that, <laughs> that boring song that's all slow and rep- repetitive. And I'm just like, um, yeah, listen to the words. It's awesome. <laughs> I love to be immersed in the hymns. It's how a lot of answers to prayers come is from just a line from a hymn. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's so neat that you can google that now and then find that the rest of it <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> exactly I love um what? oh my gosh we're already out of time <laughs> what, we've only got like two pages in this chapter all right so i'm just going to open it up to to y'all what final part of of this chapter do you want to talk about um <laughs> Close up. There, there's a lot here. Holy cow. We've had some good discussion though. This is this is awesome. I'm glad that <laughs> that happens. But you'll have to, to catch groups B and C. Well, I'll try to cover a couple different other pages with them and <laughs> we'll get a full commentary on comparisons between Babylon, the themes of Babylon and the, the themes of Zion. Uh-huh. I love the word de- deliverance. I think that's my favorite word right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. So page 82, figure 35. Deliverance there. Very, um, very important. You know, like as we were talking about ministry angels, etc. Um, that um, sometimes they're, they're there to deliver us. That sometimes they're there to call us to repentance. But I think that those uh, seven themes of Zion are kind of different um missions of uh, ministering angels, right? Uh, sometimes it's a rebirth to, to awaken our, our souls. We, we see that with Alma the Younger, Sons of Mosiah, etc. Those that um, ministering angel, Christ, was, was sent to, to give a rebirth, a, um, a great awakening to them. Sometimes it's to deliver us uh, from physical, spiritual harm, etc. Sometimes it's there to exalt us, uh, save us, to, to help us prove our loyalty. Um, we see that a lot with Abraham and, and his interactions with Enoch. Um, for inheritance, when Christ uh, took Abraham on a tour throughout the uh, promised land and, and promised him his inheritance, etc. I think that those are, are very awesome missions. Like, I want to go on those missions. And then sometimes I realize, oh, I already am in my own small way. But I, to... Kind of take a look at that and and pattern my ministering along those lines what what do i need every morning as i'm saying my prayers what kind of a mission do i need to go on today as a ministering angel who needs my help and uh, of these seven themes or whatever have you uh, what what do they need do do they need rebirth do they need um 
inheritance, loyalty, etc. How can I best minister? Um, that's my my big note off to the side of those those seven themes. There is um, my purpose as, as a ministering angel, and obviously for for those ministering to me. I think it's really interesting too to see the players in the world um, in the greater Babylon. Oh, uh -huh. on that next page. Significant people are really standing out and, and it's really interesting. And it, it brings peace to be able to understand that we're all children of God and we all have a part and these, and these things have to happen. I mean, it's all been prophesied. So every jot and tittle is gonna happen. Um, and to see kind of how it can happen through, through people and we still have to love these people because we have to love everyone. Yeah. Um, and that we know that we just have to stay or focus right on the savior, let God prevail in our lives always, hear him always focus on him and have our faith and trust in him, not in, in the arm of flesh. So it's interesting to see significant power of Babylon. I mean, significant power. There's no, there's no denying or there's no wondering. There's no, hmm. I mean, it's blatant in your face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Why, why, those, why those things are happening brings peace. Yeah, because that that love of all is is a hard one, right? You know, we kind of <laughs> we. So my on. prayer for the last um, I don't know ten years or so. I have an alarm that's going to go off in just a second at nine o'clock. Um, my prayer at nine o'clock every night is for the leader of our country, no matter who our leader of our country is, but that I could be at peace with the purposes of the Lord mm -hmm. and the leader can have the protection that, that, you know, needs to happen for that, that person. <laughs> um, and that has brought great peace too, to know that it is in the Lord's hands. No matter what I think should happen, if I just put it in the Lord's hands and, you know, I do everything I can on my part, but, um, that brings peace to know that, you know, this is the Lord's world and he knows he's in charge and we know who wins in the end. We know what team we want to be on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, go ahead, mom. Okay. <laughs> so this chapter really struck home and to me and um we were in another isaiah decoded class and when we did this class i like see i thought i'd left babylon a long time ago and when i uh, was going into the idols part like do i worship idols you know and i think of course i don't and stuff but then um what are idols and anyway i started praying to heavenly father about you know uh, am i done with babylon and and the answers that i got was no i had my big foot stuck there and I, it's been quite a process and and cameron you know all about that because it was made known to me what I needed to get rid of. And, and uh, I didn't think of them as that, but um, I've always done these collections of different things. And, and it was made known to me that they, it was too excessive and that I need to get rid of uh, most of it. And, and it's been quite a process. 
but I had to be honest with myself and thank heavens, Heavenly Father opened that up to me. And this was just prior to general conference. And I told Cameron, I need to get rid of these things out of my house before conference. I feel such a, anyway, he helped me get the main part taken down. And, but anyway, it's been a month. I've been, he even told me what to do with them. And um, anyway, it's been a month getting rid and letting go and, and the feelings, because I love these things, darn it, but I'm letting them go. And uh, anyway, I think I'm finally getting out of Babylon, but I, I didn't even know I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting process because um, of, of the things that you were told to, to get rid of, some of them aren't idols for other people. I mean, some of them are, are just fine, but yet they were idols for you and uh, things that were excessive. And then some other things are definitely idols. And so like the Lord was uh, directing you to, to do different things with, with different ones. Some things you're to, to give away, some things you're to sell, some things you're doing this, this, but um, have, well, I'm asking a question, but I know that you know the answer, but like, um, would you say that the, the past few weeks have been the easiest of your life as you're leaving Babylon? No, these have probably been your most challenging trials, not the, the idols themselves, but just uh, life in general. It, it, it very much compounded on you, didn't it? Like <laughs> you, you've been going through hell, this, this decent and <laughs> thank goodness that that we have kind of this paradigm that we're looking at here of an ascent or else this would be like almost too challenging to kind of go through wouldn't it Uh if you didn't have this hope of okay once all this is done i'm going to be um able to to minister on a higher level and uh help god's children better etc if there wasn't that it'd be like well (laughs) i'm going through all of this and then i get chosen to endure even more kind of a thing because of these righteous choices like that that's a conundrum for the world at large but with a proper perspective and paradigm that we can go through our tests and trials and decent phases with faith in in a deliverance um that things will get better they might get harder on a different level but um that we're we're going through things for a purpose that it um makes it all worth it in the end now i'm glad they're gone i wouldn't want them back there's an interesting message of comforts about being ready to go um and that had me like looking through things and straightening up things am i ready to go if it's time to go yeah exactly and isn't it amazing that this isn't just generalized for the entire church like uh, for example, my my mom's collections and stuff. If that was some law that um, members of the church can't have these things, these things, these things, etc. No, that, that's not how the Lord works. But he works with us individually on all of our different preparations for the second coming. And wherever we're at, you know, like me, I, you've heard my personal things or whatever. Like I was told very strongly to, to leave all forms of entertainment and, and all of Facebook. And um, there, there's certain times when I have to get, get back to those things. There'll be certain times that um, you need to jump on Facebook right now and communicate with this person, or you need to um, uh, endure this, this music that is being played at work kind of a thing. Um, but uh, as a whole, I'm being pulled out of those, but that's not required for everyone. I mean, everyone's at... Um, different circumstances, different ministering opportunities, etc. Some people might be inspired to um, delve into those things for for the people that are around them or whatever, and and have great missionary opportunities with those. Um, that's the beauty of being led by the Lord, that we're all in a different aspect of of the boat and it doesn't come across at general conference because it's not required as a general church Uh, there are a few things word of wisdom etc that that are but 
the Lord likes to do his own teaching in his own way on an individual basis so that we can um, minister wherever we're at. We lift where we stand principle. Yeah, I really like that. All right. Well, <laughs> this is a, a great discussion. I, I've loved every minute of it. Um, chapter four, next time. It, like I said, we're kind of cruising through this book. It would be awesome to just kind of spend some time on uh, the rest of chapter three, but um, we'll, we'll try to post as much on Learning Zion, and uh, you can catch the other uh, two groups as well. I'm going to try to cover, that's my approach to, to the three groups this time around, is um, try to cover the whole chapter between the, the three different groups so that uh, we can kind of go back and um, get a whole snapshot of, of the chapter, but we'll see how that, that goes. <laughs> oh, the other group is on Wednesday at nine? Uh, yeah, so uh, one group is here in an hour. Uh, group B is, is Sunday at, at 8 p.m., and then the other group is Wednesday at 9 p.m. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. And and I got all of those recorded um, on the Learning Zion uh, website. I, I post the link for all of the videos as soon as I post them. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun. <laughs> Have a great week, guys. <laughs> hey, can I talk to Darlene? Oh. For, can yeah. I talk to Darlene for a minute? Have <laughs> <laughs> fun talking. Can I? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Darlene, do you have fibromyalgia? Yes. So do I. Do you? So, and I just wanted to tell you that one thing that has really helped me sleep is CBD gummies. Have you ever tried those? Uh-uh. So where do you live? In uh, Idaho. So you can go to a, I think, you know, any CBD store and get gummies. They're kind of expensive, but they have helped me sleep so much. Really? What do they have in them? CBD. CBD. <laughs> huh? Oil that Randy gave you. Um, gum, I, the gummies. I, I use uh -huh. the gummies. And I've been taking a lot because I had back surgery. So I take, I hate to admit this, but I take <laughs> 6,000 milligrams a night. And I just sleep like a baby. And I woke up this morning feeling so much better. So it's worth a try. Also, there's a drug called low-dose naltrexone, LDN. And if you Google that, um, it might be worth asking your physician about LDN, low-dose naltrexone. has helped me a lot. And as you can see, I'm just a picture of health. <laughs> so, well, how, how many years have you had it many many years me too but it's, it's getting worse and but anyway me too and it's so painful i just i just feel for you because i know what you're going through so but anyway try those two things and thank you hey <laughs> love you thanks so much cameron yeah for sure all right, we'll see. Bye.